Hey, check it out. Hey, let's check it out. There's a movie about some hair and peanut butter and some stuff that doesn't make a lot of sense. And we're going to talk about it and try to work through our feelings about the traumatic experience that we have gone through with Corey and Josh and Anna. Hey, check it out. That was amazing. <laughs> some some weeks better than others, folks. The fact that it took you a year to write that is my favorite part. The dedication <laughs> you have to your craft. <laughs> I've been working on this. I've been working on this so long. I'm picturing a whiteboard just covered in different colors of ink. <laughs> Things crossed out. No! It's a real Pepe Silva kind of thing. Just counting syllables. <laughs> like the third line should have like roughly like I think 90 to 100 syllables for sure. That's Definitely good. shouldn't rhyme. It shouldn't be a rap. Per se. Because otherwise you would have done the eight mile thing and been writing on your hand instead of using oh, the whiteboard yeah. and every colored marker. Peanut butter solution, mom spaghetti. <sighs> okay. You may be wondering to yourselves, my colleagues, why did Anna do this to us? And and the answer is simple, is because I could. I stumbled across a copy of this film and I had seen it and I was like, you know, this seems like the kind of thing that I vaguely remember that I could make other people watch. A question, Anna. Sure. Josh Kagan, Dream Factory, California. Yes. This is a movie that you saw during your childhood. Correct. Yes. Okay. So this is, let's I'll give a little background. This film, the film is The Peanut Butter Solution from 1985. Uh, it is a French Canadian production, although it was made in English because the producer of the film who did a series called Tales for All, which includes many films such as The Dog Who Stopped the War and Tommy Tricker and The Stamp Traveler wanted to make movies for families. And the first one he made, The Dog Who Stopped the War, he made in French and he decided he was going to make each one in a different language. So he made the second one in English. And this guy ended up making a bunch of these? If you go to Wikipedia, Tales for All, there's a whole series of them. I haven't seen most of them. I did also see, a, well, I say recent, it was like 20 years ago. There's one of somebody in the Super Dogs, which was also weird and not good. So this is one of those things that I saw when I was a kid, which was it was readily available because it was Canadian content and I'm Canadian and I'm pretty sure we watched it in school at least once. And I had the French novelization of it, which I read for school as a project or something, or maybe just for fun. And what I remembered at like at this point in my life before rewatching it was that it was weird and kind of not good, despite the fact that it had all sorts of weird stuff happening in it. And I was like, huh, I could, I could, I could watch this again. I could see, I could go back to my childhood. And I have to say, from a Canadian nostalgia standpoint, this is great. If you grew up in Canada in the, in the 80s, it's like, hey, our old money. <laughs> it's upsetting because this is the kind of childhood I was promised by the media, by the Canadian <laughs> you were expecting, National you were Film expecting Board. Adventures. Yeah. This this was childhood in the 80s, regardless of country. One of my notes somewhere was like, this made me very nostalgic for just running around in the early to mid 80s with very little parental supervision, mm -hmm. having adventures and getting hurt. Yep. Coriander, I feel like they didn't necessarily sell you a bill of goods. This is a documentary of what childhood was like in the early Reagan years uh, or what or, or what have you, 80 to 85. It's just you're stepping on a lot of nails. You're tripping over things. You're going to fucking junkyards and shit. And you just like there's a burned out wino hotel and you're going to go look at it because your mom's doing something. I snuck into a preschool. 
Were you preschool aged and you just yes. thought you were getting yes. away with something? No, it was preschool. That's Canadian rebellion. Oh, I showed them. There, there was a preschool in my neighborhood, and they had ice cream. I just sort of wandered in, and while I was walking around my neighborhood on my own as a child, and they just didn't realize that I wasn't supposed to be there. So I got ice cream, and then I left, and I came home, and my mom was like, "Why do you have ice cream while you were here?" And I got free ice cream from a place, and she was really upset with me because she didn't know what I'd done. It could have been the ice cream that makes you fall asleep. Come on. It could have, yeah, it could have oh, been some guy with a van. I can't wait. I can't wait to talk about the ice cream that makes you fall asleep. <laughs> Said so casually, like everything in this movie, just sort of like because everybody's on the precipice of being able to act. But nobody can quite do it. And so everything has this sort of flatline dragnet type delivery. And it's wonderful. Anna, I got to say, if you chose this movie to attack or hurt us, it did not work. I thought this was fucking great. I had a blast. I thought it would be interesting to watch based on my recollections of it. Also, I thought the sleeping ice, the ice cream that makes you fall asleep was in happiness. It was. We we got to see how the sausage was made in that uh, case. <laughs> I guess Peanut Butter Solution uh, didn't want to show us a scene of a man grinding up sleeping pills into ice cream. Probably that, not. That was that was a bridge too far, uh, as there are not one but two scenes of a boy basically making a jar of human excrement. <laughs> 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 okay, like it starts off with an opening credits thing with a bunch of really awesome art. It's cool. And it spoils the entire film for you, except there's no way you'll understand any of the images without context. A child drops an egg into a blender for like some sort of fruity drink mix. And I think I blacked out for like five minutes, just like <laughs> reached in and grabbed the egg. And then there's a lot of egg in that. And then I should have, I should have just not been worried. Uh <laughs> because this is the oldest child in in the world this child is about 70 years old and this is susan and she is one of two children in this family and she is preparing blender breakfast for her younger brother michael who is taciturn because mom is somewhere and 70 year old susan is now basically nana she's wearing a giant bathrobe uh, because she has assumed the cloak of her mother, I, I guess it's just like this is this is the golden fleece. You wear this and you become mom. And Michael's like, I don't want to drink anything. I don't want to do anything. I hate you, and I hate your blender. And we think that Susan is going to be sort of in the Lucy Van Pelt shitty older sister mode for the entire movie, uh, and she's not, which I thought was real nice. Mm -hmm. She's just look, she's just a working gal trying to raise a family. She's just very mature. Yeah. <laughs> Question for, the, for for the both of you. Based on this opening scene, did you all assume, as I did, that that there had been a divorce because this was a children's movie from 1985 and the mother was not present? A hundred percent. I 100% thought the mom, okay. there was there it was either divorce or dead parent, which is child movie law. Can't have two parents. You'll uh, you'll get sucked up into space. Yeah, it's got real recent separation energy. Real real ET vibes. Especially when we meet Papa Bear. <laughs> oh, you mean Colonel Ty? <laughs> right? Okay. All of the people to have like <laughs> I am going to before before you two do this, I'm going to make the timeout sign and as the uh, dipshit American, as I was watching the movie, I did find myself thinking 
wow, I bet if I was Canadian, I'd be doing a lot of, holy shit, it's that guy. And it's that guy. I can't believe it's that guy from the Timbits commercial. There's only one of those for me. And is that Colonel Ty? Whoever that is? Did you never watch Battlestar Galactica? Which one? The new one. I did not. Maybe you uh, I watched okay. the fir- I watched the first episode and I was like, everyone's sad and has cancer in space <laughs> and I don't care. I want lasers and uh, that's about it. The actor who plays the dad plays one of the main characters on the rebooted Battlestar Galactica. Oh, I have no excuse to not know that because it's not like that's some weird secret Canadian thing. Oh, well. Oh, he also, I believe, played Deathstroke on Smallville, if I'm not mistaken. If I haven't seen Battlestar Galactica, I'm not fucking watching Smallville. Listen, Josh, that's hard. That's I wouldn't put money down on that just based on the information that I have about you, necessarily. <laughs> so this is the only guy you all recognized, I suppose. No, actually. The actor who plays Connie, the Michael's friend who shows up shortly, uh, was also an actor on uh, the original Degrassi High series. He played Yick, and I recommend recognized him from that that kid went on to continue acting sure did i love that journey for him yeah he was in degrassi they brought him back for degrassi the next generation or whatever and then yes. he moved after like two years of that moved into like assistant directing and now he's an ad mm-hmm. it's great he's, in, he's he was on the ad on like pacific rim he's like That's- an ad on like me like major stuff it's i I mean, like, I don't know him, so I can't be proud of him, but good job. You know what? I'm going to be proud of him just because uh, being a child actor is like 95% guarantee that you're going to be just like walking around the city streets, mumbling to yourself and stepping over invisible shit by the time you're 22. So fucking good on that guy. Connie. Well, I mean, we'll get to Connie in a minute, but let's talk about the dad for uh, a sec. I was getting weird flashbacks of the dad from uh, Psycho Gorman. It's just like, (laughs) hi, I'm floppy dad and I'm useless. I live in the (laughs) attic and my sandwiches are under my bed. (laughs) He's terrible. The daughter runs upstairs after arguing with her brother to uh, narc him out to the dad. And as she was running up the stairs, I clocked a very bad painting and i was like oh that's funny the director must like know a terrible painter or something and then the kid get, <laughs> and then the kid gets up to the attic and you see all of these paintings you're like oh no the dad's supposed to be a painter who apparently is able to do this for a living either that or mom has like a great government job and nobody has to worry and the dad can just let his sandwiches go bad and paint birds this dad has roughly the painting ability of a young Richie Tenenbaum. <laughs> <laughs> Just about exactly. Uh, between that and I would say uh, the uh, Scorsese's mom from Goodfellas. One bird's looking this way, the other bird's looking the other way. <laughs> One bird's singing to a cat. <laughs> We're like, what do you want from me? I'm just, I'm nicely dressed. <laughs> we get a little more information about the mom. She's not dead, but they still don't say where she is. And they keep kind of building it up like, oh, this is going to be a big mystery. Where's mom? Mike's best friend in the whole wide world, Connie, just <laughs> slips in the back door all nonchalant and then just starts digging into the fruit bowl that's on the table. Let's talk about Connie for like two hours. Everything <laughs> about this kid is fucking perfect. He's dressed like Rocky Balboa. He's got like the little leather jacket and a little pork pie hat. He won't talk unless he's whispering. Everything he says. He gets better over the course of the movie. 
which is weird. It makes me think that maybe they shot the movie in order because for the first <laughs> half of the movie, it's like he had the ice cream that makes you go to sleep. He's just like, hey, Michael, we got to get to soccer practice. Hey, I know that you, I know that you sat here, but when you get to soccer, you're the king of the world. And you're just like, this, <laughs> this kid is both terrible and awesome, but the dad just thinks he's terrible. The dad walks in and is like, well, if it isn't, if it isn't Connie, the human flea. And I'm just like, I don't, what is, that's such a weird put down that I was like, is it racist? Is it specious? What is he doing? It's not a flea. He just likes to eat grapes. I just, I just like some more of these delicious grapes. If you don't mind. delicious grapes. And then the dad's like, what did you say? He's like, I love delicious grapes. I'm like, did you just keep in a, a mistake? Like, oh. I feel like. All these kid actors, especially especially like the one who plays Susie, but all of them are kind of at that awkward stage where their tongues are a little too big for their mouths. <laughs> and enunciation is very difficult. Yes, they're all you can't do that on television age. Yes, they are. <laughs> My touch point for all Canadian children's entertainment. Since Connie's audience has collected around the table for him, he goes on to describe a, a wicked-ass fire that happened last night to the house where all the winos used to stay, and he snuck in there at, like, midnight when it was all going down, and he saw some fire and saw some dude choking, and it would be a great time to just, at the breakfast table, mimic smoke inhalation. It's a great story, and Connie tells it as if, oh, oh have I got a quirker for you, the, the, you know, the Algonquin Round Table. Let me tell you, winos passed away in a terrible fire. Can you believe it? <laughs> and then Mike gets all nostalgic. He's just like, I saw those winos on the street the other day, and I gave them all my money. The small things you do can change your life forever. Like, it's some somehow significant <laughs> It's especially weird because I think we're hearing Michael's thoughts, but I think we're also hearing Michael's thoughts after all of the events of the movie have happened. It's hard to say. Well, because it's like, I did this one thing, and it's funny how you think that you do this one thing and that changes everything. And it, in fact, is important that he gave this one. Everyone, yeah. we're saying wino, by the way, oh. because that's the word the movie oh, uses. gentlemen. An unhoused gentleman. Oh, we're sorry. not. We're not monsters here. But it is also fun to say why no. Um, uh, so it is important that he gave that dude change. But there's no way that Michael would know it was important when he's telling the story. If he's telling the story, the only flaw in an otherwise perfect film. Josh, I'm just gonna like. I just feel like the the whole POV situation in this film is extremely complex it's on a, little, a lot of levels. It's a little specious. <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of room for multiple perspectives here, <laughs> given given what happens. It is. It's like it's like Rashomon. It's like Rashomon if Rashomon was just telling one story, but every every like half hour switched which character was experiencing it. <laughs> so. <laughs> So he, so Michael has this flashback about what a great guy he is that he gave a guy some loonies and toonies, all that he had. No, there were no loonies and toonies in 85. It was paper money. We liked it that way. No, he had a lot of quarters. It, it was... went jingle jangle. Yeah, it was change. Okay. Lo we did not have loonies and toonies in 1985. I believe you, but I, I all I know, I just do. knew. I know, I, all I know is that when they're coins, they're loonies and toonies. Oh my God.
but not in 1985. No, no. What I've heard no. is that back in 1985, there weren't loonies and toonies. There was only paper money unless it wasn't. How did you play Dig Dug? Quarters. With four quarters. <laughs> Dig Dug cost four quarters? No, okay. No, if it was, no, that's how we played Dragon's Lair. But no, we oh. had quarters. We had, we had the same kind of change as you guys had. We oh, had God. machines that would take real money and give us tokens. Yeah, no, oh, like that's everywhere. Also true. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, so, so I'm, first of all, I'm glad we settled this. I would like to apologize <laughs> to both the Looney and the Toonie for misrepresenting them. And I think it's a proud and fine currency. Anyway, they go to school. Michael checks to see if he got any letters from his mom. Nope. No letters from his mom. Who knows where mom is or what she's doing? We'll never know. They run by the burnt husk of the house and they want to roll around in it, but they have soccer practice, which we never see. <laughs> I don't know that they want to roll around in it. That's, I mean, they want to roll. No, you know what? I'm going to stand by. Dogs. <laughs> they, they want, what they want to do is leave their scent on the burned house. Hmm. They arrive at a very normal school where things are normally progressing throughout the hallways, except for the man with the dog, which no one comments on or even looks at. A hall monitor whom nobody listens to, who just stands there and is like, slow down, after school, you, over there, you two girls, it's ladies night tonight at the Blues Brothers. <laughs> She's basically Principal Skinner. She's Principal Skinner slash Helen Mirren. And now we match cut the shot of the dog to the dog in what looks like an art class. And we meet yet another Canadian character actor with a broad accent, one of 50,000 in this movie. There is a lot. This guy is Senor something, and it's a him, Mario. He talks like this the whole movie, and it is a not a believable accent. And he's a very good teacher. He's, he's a terrible he's a, teacher. No, he's very good. He's an art teacher who despises imagination, like all <laughs> art teachers, who, want, who wants his... I'm going to say these kids are what, roughly like maybe 11 or 12 at best. The ages are weirdly distributed. Uh, unless, of course, some kids get tall, some kids don't. Who knows? But there are like okay. Michael and Connie seem to be like 11 or 12. But there also seem to be kids in this class who are like seven. OK, well, anyway, a class of a class of grade school children, shall we sure. say, who and, and expects them to as realistically as possible, draw his little dog. With charcoal upon easels. And he goes through and critiques all of their work. And he's it, terrible. It's great. He's mean. He's just smashing people's lives. He graciously donates a scary dog face to one of the students. Oh, God, right. The little kid is like, it's scary. So the kid didn't try. So he's going from easily easily is like, that sucks. That's okay. That looks like a dog. You're terrible. Don't use imagination. And then there's one kid who's two, basically, who's drawn <laughs> nothing except maybe like an I and the backwards letter D for dog. And he takes his charcoal and he's like, here's what you do. And he draws fucking Wolfen. And it is boss. If I had a van, I would want this on the side of my van. The kid's like, it's scary. And the guy's like, yeah, get out of here, kid. You bother me. Go home, put this on your wall above your bed so that you think about it every night. <laughs> That's what a dog looks like. And Michael has painted fire behind his dog. And the guy's like, there's a Noah fire. You're a stupid. I'm uh, the bad guy in this movie. And then he goes to Connie. He's like, Connie, yours sucks. And I'm just going to tear it up. And Connie's like, if you do that, I'm never coming to this class again. 
and I will fucking end you, old man. And it works. He's like half this guy's size. He's just like, don't even. And then school is over. Yeah, the end. School is school is a principal yelling at you in art class. Go home. You're good. Meanwhile, dad's dad's uh, art manager, the rabbit, because I think his name is Bugs. I don't remember. His name is Arthur. Oh, I don't even know. Anyway, he shows up at dad's studio uh, and is like, show show me your recent work. And he's like, well, I've got this one of some birds i think and another one of some birds and another, and another one, of one of birds here's a well-dressed bird here's an angry bird because that pig took his eggs <laughs> and i'm not going to lie the more of the father's quote unquote the father's work whoever splooched this together uh the more that i looked at him and i was like I kind of want that well-dressed bird painting. The well-dressed bird is so good. So is the bird singing to the cat. I love all of these pieces. Well, they're unsaleable. Yeah. No, yeah. they won't the, sell. The, the rabbit, a.k.a. I was calling him young, handsome Stephen Fry. He has very Fry oh, sure. energy. Got it. Rabbit Fry, fried rabbit. Uh, he's like, these are all terrible and I cannot sell any of them. And the father then raises a curtain and is like, well, you can look at this one. And it's like the whole family <laughs> playing tennis. And there's a bird. And then the agent is like, well, this is perfect. This is a this is a canvas the size of a fucking football field with a generic family and a bird playing tennis. And it's not that good. I could sell this for six thousand dollars. That's four thousand for you. And he's like, no, it's it's a birthday present. You can't have it. It's a birthday present. I'm like, and in my head, I was like. This must have been something he was making for the mom, and now the mom isn't here, and this is going to come up later. Nope. I found myself saying that a lot in Act the First. <laughs> this is going to come up a lot later. Mm. Nope. You expected a lot from this film. But he really needs to sell a piece because his wife has gone to Australia to deal with her dead father's estate. Mystery solved. And, you know, it's a real drain on the budget. Oh, right. At which point I paused the film and looked over at my girlfriend, Jen, who was watching with me and was like, I thought she was, they were divorced or something from the way the kid was acting. And she's just in Australia. I mean, it's far. Also, I I, I learned from the Wikipedia page or somewhere that the producers, anyway, somebody who was involved with this film loved that painting of people playing tennis so much that he kept it in his office for some 15 years after this film was made. They must have had a nice ass office because as I stated, (laughs) that painting is like a drive-in movie screen. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But but, hey, school's out for summer. Guns out for summer. See, (laughs) buns out. Uh, Our two boys are back at the most interesting thing in their whole hometown, the burnt husk of a wino hotel. I would like to point out that this building, while it is extremely decrepit in no way looks like fire has ever touched it not even not even a little not a scorch mark to be seen but there's like an entire garbage bin out front and then a slide for the garbage to to come into the garbage bin we that looks like it was assembled by children really honestly like the scaffolding can we prove that this movie wasn't assembled by children not definitively (laughs) I think there's a strong argument to be made for it being assembled by children. Certainly written oh. and directed. I know the guy who produced it is a grown fellow and Celine Dion. Well, Celine Dion, who knows how old Celine she was. I think she was young. 17. 
Yeah. Oh. Oh, so she had just gotten married five years before that. <laughs> Oof. Ooh. It's like burn on Celine Dion. Her husband. Her gross husband. Yes. <laughs> yes. Renee. And her gross husband. What I learned about this film is that apparently the story came from a story that the writer was telling his child as a bedtime story that they kept elaborating upon, which may explain maybe they I, i'm just saying maybe maybe he could have taken another pass at it after it was a bedtime story and just maybe maybe you know, tighten it up a little tighten tighten up some of the just loose imagining parts. this this bedtime thing it's like and then connie tried, tried to climb up the chute that slipped and fell and hurt his leg and then his friend mike who decided to climb up a different way actually got to the top and went in the window and then saw something and then screamed and then his hair stood up and then he fell down a garbage chute probably died dad dad go back anyway we'll finish we'll finish uh we'll finish this up tomorrow dad you forgot my favorite part where uh connie looks out at the sidewalk and thinks that he sees ants but then michael doesn't see ants and then connie has a pet ant in a matchbox and it's dead you forgot the best part dad i'm sorry i didn't get to do my dead ant joke either <laughs> dead ant dead ant did you two uh did your parents tell you terrible made-up stories when you were going to bed or were you yeah. like what like what oh my <laughs> my dad anything that could have been a movie i am a professional screenwriter <laughs> after all so if there's anything hey, here we can workshop to make something listen, as good as the peanut butter solution listen house was based on the director's daughter's dreams and that turned out amazing yeah okay fine it's, it's, totally it's, normal movie there 50 50 batting average on terrible childhood stories like my dad he, and for years i thought this was a great story my dad used to tell me the story of lolly and pop one guy made hard candies but he didn't like to put them in his mouth so he just licked them out of his hand his hands got all stickies and then the other guy had a stick factory and one day they got together and invented the lollipop and i was like tell it again this is the most amazing goddamn story i've ever heard now wow. I realize I should have made that into a movie. <laughs> I mean, I'd, I'd watch that. That sounds like, that sounds like a lo later Tim Burton effort. Uh, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Is there you know, a puppet like, burn war? Like, mm. like, like a post Corpse Bride animated film. Corey, any fun, did your folks ever tell you any like weird or made up stories? No, I did get to watch Are You Afraid of the Dark, which is kind of the same. It's a bit the same. <laughs> Except it's not your father sitting next to your bed as you as you drift off telling you a cool story about Ralph the Dragon and his and his child companion who have fun adventures. Which is what my dad did. That sounds actually like super adorable and like coherent. Yeah. Had like a like I don't know, I think he had a magic tree house that had fun toys and stuff in it. And yeah, it was nice. That's so much better than like my dad telling me essentially what was a, a psilocybin laced history channel special. <laughs> the food well, that made America, the history of the lollipop. Well, I guess my dad's better than yours. I, by the way, yes. I no. this is these are the I only mean, two data points I have. Okay. Is that all you remember of your father? Is him telling you the story and then leaving in the night for cigarettes? That's about it. Anyway, so they go run around the house, and as as uh, as Anna said uh, in very quick, uh, they go ready. Uh, Michael climbs up into the old spooky, not burned, burned out Wayno Hotel. Sees something terrible. His hair literally goes zibbity zab, and like all stands on end. 
and then uh, the kid falls down the chute. And the next thing we see is Susie, the world's oldest child, doing QuickBooks on what appears to be Canada's very first home computer. Every keystroke would break a decibel meter. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, she, she, she's got one of the electronic abacuses. They were all fancy and new back then. And you can just tell that the numbers just aren't balancing out. And she's got a lot of work to do. And then Connie's like knocking at the window and being an asshole. It's like, he's not here. Leave. <laughs> like, I know he's not here. I have him in a stolen shopping cart. cart. Yeah. <laughs> so Michael is down for the count. Uh, and uh, they stare at him and they're like, what's going on? And they finally comes to and they're like, what scared you? And he was like, I just remember walking around spooky house. And then I woke up and I don't know. And they're like, oh, no, he got the amnesia. Yeah, that's Dr. Susie's uh, <laughs> assessment. Yeah. Yeah. He's got the thermometer in there and the wet cloth. His dad's real casual about this stuff. He's just sort of like, eh, it's probably fine. Just sleep it off, son. It's half because the movie's weird and then half because, again, just like casual young boomer parents who were like, <laughs> eh, you're probably fine. Look, my dad beat me with his belt. In comparison, you guys got this pretty good. Just run around and try not to get too hurt. You're fine. Go to You've bed. You've been unconscious? Yeah, you should go sleep it off. <laughs> you, didn't, you, you didn't cut yourself on any rusty metal, did you? You don't need a tetanus shot? Ah, you're fine. You're good. Hey, and you know what? Let me just shake you real good before you go to bed. <laughs> Let me make sure you don't have any tra head trauma. No, your neck seems tight enough. The cat slept on his head all night long. Isn't that crazy? And Susie watched at the door. <laughs> there very intrusive like that Susie and the dad got up in the middle of the night to just like several times apparently just to check on him and chase the cat off his head i actually see that as like a demonstration besides him saying go to bed and sleep it off i don't mind that this concussed sure. uh formerly unconscious kid they're poking their heads and be like dude breathing all right great is the cat on his head well let's get that out of there so it's the next morning Susie's making breakfast. Connie's like, hey, I came over early to steal your food. I hope that's okay. I just want this one grape. <laughs> Dad's like, do we have a choice? Dad hates Connie. So much. For literally what appears to be no reason. Because it's not like Connie's walking in and helping himself to the refrigerator or like taking credit card numbers or whatever. He comes in and he <laughs> eats two grapes and he whispers everything. Here's my theory about what's going on here. I think that the mom and the dad have like like a good cop, bad cop thing going on with Connie, and now the mom's gone. We're just seeing the bad cop, and it's supposed to be supposed to be a double act where like the mom's really nice and like and she's like, oh, Stu, be nice to Connie. He's such a sweet boy, and she like pinches his cheeks and stuff. And but we're only getting the mean cop side right now. I think Connie's trying to get adopted. <laughs> It's possible. We never see his parents. It's possible he's living, he and his sister are living alone in a shack somewhere. They're actually living in the burned out house, but just in another room. Oh, no. And Connie's just like not talking about it. Connie's <laughs> like, oh, he doesn't see all my stuff in here. Or he, or he said it and it was just mumbling. He's like, yeah, there was a fire. There was a fire at the old house where my sister and I live. Uh, so I got to see a lot. That's why, that's why I was so close. That's why I was there. Yeah. I, yeah funny, funny story. I said it. Anyways, well, soccer practice. <laughs> yep. 
so then down comes uh, Michael and everybody freaks out because Michael is now a handsome young daddy Warbucks. <laughs> He's gone the full powder. Did either of you see this coming? Did you predict this plot twist? I don't think I saw this, but I vaguely, vaguely have memories of this. Like, I knew enough to know I think a kid goes bald or something. And okay. if I'm not mistaken, peanut butter plays into the solution. <laughs> Based on the the hieroglyphics at the beginning of the movie, I figured a kid goes bald and then paints his hair with peanut butter, and then mm. hair does grow because peanut mm. butter. You mm. know, it's so good. This kid's very bald. This kid is uh, very yeah. shiny. Super bald. They, they blame the cat. They're like, oh, yep. man, that cat was sleeping on his head all night, and he goes off to the living room to cry on the poang. Yeah. <laughs> The dad now has done a couple of things during the movie to make me go like, he's okay. This is not as bad as Psycho Gorman, dad. He's he's like, feel my face. What is it? It's smooth. But tonight, what's it going to be? And the kid's like, mm, it's going to be stubbly. Yep. Don't worry. And if your hair doesn't grow back tomorrow, then we're going to go see Dr. Jewish J. Jewish. <laughs> Einstein Rosenbaum. I don't remember what his name was. Feinstein Epstein. No. <laughs> Feinstein Epstein. Slack, comma, hate crime. The family's having a good moment. Michael's feeling better. His dad's there. His sister's there. They're all laughing. And then Connie just kind of wiggles in there. It's like, hey, check out my pet ant. It's dead. <laughs> well, he didn't know. Everybody's like, "That's just a dead ant in a uh, in a little uh, matchbox," and he's like, "I just fed it." And I'm like, "Oh no, with what? A grape? You idiot!" Anyways, <laughs> what do ants even eat? Just whatever. Oh, uh, stuff in picnic baskets. They're like very tiny little what? yogi bears. Oh, right, 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 right. I forgot. I forgot everything I learned from Sesame Street. <laughs> anyway, the next day. The next day, things are not better for our bald nope. child. He's in the doctor's office. He does a big reveal where he flips his hood bag. He's like, last time you saw me, I had hair. Dun, dun, dun. Another Canadian character actor, another broad <laughs> ethnic accent. <laughs> this time, is he's like fucking Tevye. <laughs> <laughs> On the other hand, there is no other hand for hair. We call what you have, the harem scarum. He literally says you got the harem scarum. I'm surprised he didn't say, oh, and you also have the rocking pneumonia and the boogie woogie blues. <laughs> and he's like, so what your scalp, your scalp's like a hand. And when it gets scared, it lets go of all the hair. Not science. This is, you know how there's always, everybody, every asshole always talks about, well, you know, there's that one doctor who said the vaccine, the coronavirus vaccine doesn't work. I think it was Dr. Epstein Feinstein. <laughs> Might have been. <laughs> have you tried this ivermectin? I think it'll really help. Just push the horse goo onto your scalp. Yeah. <laughs> uh. So anyway, uh, Connie goes to school and Signor, Signor accosts him and drags him into his office. And he's like, weirdly, for no reason, like wants to know where Michael is. Like he cares. Where's the Michael? Can we talk about Signor's office for a minute? Because he is the <laughs> art teacher, but his office seems to be Freddy Krueger's basement. <laughs> 
like just in case just to get, like it's as if the director writer was like i don't think we're selling that this guy is evil besides the fact that he dresses all in black and harasses children and has big poofy hair and a broad ethnic accent let us also put him in the murder closet and he's like grilling connie and it's like why does he this is baffling because like narratively there's no reason why he should care or think there's anything interesting about this but he says your friend has a very interesting problem oh and then connie's like can i go i do want to throw this out there the version that we watched is 90 minutes now apparently and that's the home video cut severin just re-released under their new Severin Kids label, which is funny yeah. for nine million zillion reasons that they have a children's <laughs> label. But apparently there are three minutes that were left out. And I'm assuming there are a couple of like narrative jumps in the movie, like logic jumps that go beyond incompetence and are more just like something somewhere got left out. You're saying we could find out what happens during that missing week? <laughs> for example... So. For example, I think those three minutes are just more of Connie eating grapes. <laughs> well, I want them. I want every second. That kid's a genius. This is like when my, my girlfriend and her dad went to see the David Cronenberg film Crash. <laughs> and which which was awkward for them. And the the projector cut out right at the end of the film. And they were like, well, we have to like we have to find out how this ends. And so they waited like 20 minutes for them to get it up and rolling. And then there were like five more seconds of the film and then it went to credits. Perfect. I feel like that's the equivalent of those three minutes. My mom and I once saw a Gene Hackman thriller that's on a train that has a very generic late eighties, early nineties, like direct action or some shit like that. (laughs) And uh, they showed the reels in the wrong order. Oh my gosh. And so we were just like, wow, this, I mean, obviously this is a labyrinthine John Le Carre inspired thriller, <laughs> but that guy was dead five minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> this is really experimental. I don't feel like, I, I, and I feel like this is a thing that's maybe happened to Anna and I more than it has happened to you because mm. I, I feel, well, I mean, Corey, it's not like you're eight. There, you were also existed in a time when movie theaters showed things on film as opposed to all digital. And fuck ups used to happen constantly. Have you ever seen an unbalanced 3D film? Oh, mm-hmm. I mean, I've had migraines. Have you seen? Have you ever seen something that's not matted properly so you can see all the stuff that you're not supposed to see? Very recently, yeah, today, in fact. Huh. People pick on Wait, that no, all not, the the peanut butter solution is matted properly. It's just people, like that. People pick on that all the time with low budget and genre films. They love to use microphone boom mics. An example is like, oh, look at that stupid director. The boom mics in the shot, and like nine out of ten times, it's like, mm-hmm. no, it was just fucking matted wrong, you idiot. Um, yeah. I don't know why I'm so mad. I'm very defensive of genre directors. Uh, besides, I suppose your theater now getting like a blue screen of death or something. Part <laughs> of the fun of going to see old school movies is like. A thing might fuck up. I have two very quick stories, which you can cut. Number one, I just talked about this on my Instagram. Uh, My mom took my sister and I to go see a matinee of uh, Bon Voyage, Charlie Brown, and Don't Come Back. Uh, And this was a theater that was had three uh, theaters, and it was showing Bon Voyage and The Shining in the same theater. We sat down at 2 p.m. with our popcorn. The Shining started. And my mom and every parent in the theater ran out just like, very quickly, turn this off. That was awesome. 
to be fair, you could watch like at least the first half hour of The Shining as a child and nothing particularly traumatic would happen. Sure. And there burn. was a split second where we were all like, well, you know, sometimes animated movies start off live action. <laughs> yeah, so who knows? Sure but here's my favorite one. My buddies and I, when I was living in uh, Jersey for grad school, we went to go see Scream opening night. In the context of 1996, still now, it's a great movie. But uh, mm -hmm. we got to near the end. And I'm not going to spoil it because there are always people who have not seen it. But uh, Sydney is confronting the party responsible for all them murders. And she's basically like, why did you do this? And it's super tense. You could hear a pin drop in the theater. And the responsible party says, you want to know why I did all this? I'll tell you. It's because. And then the film melted. <laughs> <laughs> and two out of three people in that theater shit themselves like everybody was like because it's so meta for the time it was very oh God, meta yeah. and it was so like what's this is it real what's not blah 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 and so when the film melted we were just like Wes Craven's a fucking genius to do that <laughs> and then nothing happened and then a guy came out and said uh, very sorry the film melted give us a few minutes you're all getting free things blah 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 <laughs> And I watched Scream again very recently because uh, my wife and I have been watching a lot of horror movies and revisiting a couple old ones. And it did not have the same impact for me. But then I realized, like, it can never have that impact because the magic of seeing a movie in this era, in the film era, is that something, a one million, one in a million thing can go wrong. And then you can have the most unique film going experience out of it. To this day, I'm not sure if I love the movie Scream or if I just love the experience that I had with it. Anyway, I talked a lot. Back to the movie. Michael has a nightmare and crawls in bed with his daddy. Who has been working on his new art project, Bald is Beautiful, to give his son yeah. some self-esteem. <laughs> Except he draws it like a fucking monster! And his son refuses to sit for it. Like, he just has a mannequin in the corner that he's been painting. <laughs> this is you now, son. Back to the school, uh, Senor gets fired. Thank God. For being a lying weirdo who grabs children and tears up their artwork. But the but Principal Helen Mirren Skinner is just like, <laughs> you were fired from these schools. You said you went to this art academy and you didn't. And you also claim to be the great grandson of Rembrandt. <laughs> I mean, that, that's not how art works. Art's not like generational like that. It's not... There's not a gen an art gene, I don't think. And the guy's like, I'm a great teacher. I'm a great artist. And I'm a great grandson. And she's like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> well, the, the weird thing is that like, okay, because she's like, you gave little, little Mikey nightmares. And I'm like, are you talking about the main character, Michael? Or is this a different kid? Also, it's the other kid with the the wolf painting on the wall now. Like, would, just just for like you know, just for to coherence sake, you might want to name your characters significantly different names. Nope, it would help. It would help me a lot. <laughs> Again, um, children wrote and directed this movie, <laughs> and he has this diatribe that you don't understand these children and their imaginations, which might much crush, so that they can do beautiful artwork, which has nothing to do with the mind and only the eyes. He's a bad. He's a bad art teacher, and he deserved to get fired. Anyway, Michael. Michael is uh, angry drumming. Well, his sister is angry pianoing. I think she's trying to beautiful piano, but she's having some trouble because of all the drumming. 
it syncs up at a couple points to the point where I'm like, I don't know if they tried to make it sync up or if it just accidentally sounds okay. Because again, there's not people at that the one. switch at this film. The second that one. The second uh, one for sure. The second one. But they they inadvertently form quasi for like two seconds. <laughs> it's beautiful and magical. And Connie sneaks in during the, the hubbub to be like, hey, best buddy, senor got sacked for being a weirdo. And then Yay! Mike goes all diva is like, I'm hideous. I said no visitors. <laughs> Basically the Phantom of the Opera, except with drums. His exact words, I look disgusting. Paradiddle, 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 angry paradiddle. I'm, pr- I'm, pr- I'm ready for to join Rush. Canadian content. Later, <laughs> later, he is uh, just sitting on the couch being bald and uh, taciturn. And off in the corner, uh, Dad and Susan look at each other and make shushy faces. And then literally, like, they all but pull up their hands to, like, the T-Rex. And I, I think they're going to be subtle about what they're about to do, but no, they just rip whatever he's reading out of his hands and then shove a wig on his head like, look, look in this mirror, you're beautiful. No, no, I don't want a wig, I want real hair like a real girl. Despite what Eric B. and Rakim say, I am going to briefly sweat the technique. Not only do they jump this kid, the father grabs Michael from behind and twists his arms behind his back in like a pro wrestling lock. And the kid struggling because his father is abusing him. And then the the daughter takes this wig and just crams it down on his stupid little head. And he's like kicking and screaming because it's like hurting because they're hurting a child. It's... It's almost the sunglasses scene from They Live. <laughs> yes. Hooray. And then after all of that, Michael looks at himself in the mirror and is like, oh, yeah, I look great. I look great. But Thanks, it's guys. fake. I'm so fake. Uh, it comes right off. He's like, no, we'll glue it on with this gross glue. She splutes it on there, and then he puts it on. He's like, this is great. I'm ready for soccer now. I can live my life again. Yeah, this isn't going to come back to bite me in the ass in 10 seconds. 10 seconds later. (laughs) 10 seconds later, he's in a soccer fight with the meanest kid who tries to pull his hair. And then the wig comes off, trailing disgusting glue. And I swear to God, this is one of the only images from this film I still remembered before rewatching it. I remembered his hair getting pulled off and there being glue traces. And then all the children follow him jeering through the streets. Like he is fucking Dr. Frankenstein <laughs> or some shit being chased out of the town. Yeah, they might as well have pitchforks. They're just like, it's, it's so weird. Listen. I grew up in this era and I was bullied in this era. And even I never got chased by a large group of children through the streets. I was at that point just like, why are they chasing him through the streets of province? (laughs) This was definitely filmed in Quebec. Oh, this is probably Montreal. There's a food specialty coming up that I have a lot of questions about. Corey, what was the, (laughs) I didn't remember the song because I was too busy being stunned. Oh no, I know that. Oh, yeah, I don't know. And we will drop in a little of the song right here. 
They conveniently run past Senor, who is out walking Jim, his dog, and Muse. A very cute dog, by the way. I don't want to be crass, but they do show that dog's wiener a lot. It reminds me of a funny conversation I had with my friend Amy once where uh, we were complaining about a friend of ours who put a picture of their dog up on Instagram, but put like a black, either put a black bar or pixelated over the dog's junk. And we both agreed, like, that just makes it worse. It definitely makes it worse. Like, it's just a dog wiener. It's fine. Like, unless you are, uh, you know, unless you are another dog. <laughs> and even then, dogs are, seem to be pretty cool about it. That's m one of my favorite things about dogs is how cool they are about their dicks. <laughs> Casual nudity. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just me, man. I'm just hanging out. <laughs> all, all banj, all the time. Michael is then, is, at night, Michael is visited by two girls. Because he tries to make a nighttime call to Australia where his mom is at. Right. First he has to ask, what time is it in Australia? Then he hears noises in the kitchen, which is two people rifling through all of their cupboards and filling boxes full of food and cereal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and like everybody confronted with the incredible in this movie michael doesn't go ah ghosts or anything like that or people in my house he's just like hey come on hey. cut it out guys keep it down yeah but thankfully if you're not looking you can't hear them one of the only clever things in this movie in a different person's hands that could have been this the german idea for a really good movie <laughs> It is a clever and efficient solve. And the my writer heart went like, you didn't think about that for too long and it's perfect. Good for mm -hmm. you. Now let's talk about literally every fucking thing else in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Michael's like, hey, are you, why Why did you become a wino? Why did you start hitting the bag? Why, why, did, why did the bottle take you uh, and end your life? <laughs> These are wino ghosts, by the way. Yeah, yes. from, the, from the wino hotel that burned down. The guy says, hey, we feel bad about your no hair thing, and you gave me change once, so we're going to do you a solid. My, my buddy here, Mary, a real, real angry ghost, <laughs> has a special recipe from our friend Charlie, and she'll read it out for you, and you have to repeat properly, or she'll, she'll get on your case. And this becomes a movie about reciting a recipe. The scene goes on for a very long time. Five um, dead flies. Okay. Five dead flies. Very important. Five dead flies. Put them on your head. Put them on your head. Put them on your head. Your tongue will beat your brains out to get to it. Uh, Christopher Walken <laughs> from Geely, the apple pie monologue. <laughs> Scenes for then, young actors. You know, appropriate warnings like don't put this on your hands or face or your hands will grow hair. Unless that's what you want. So Michael uh, starts to assemble the solution yeah. and is it's about gross. to, and it is, and it is very gross. We're, and were the scene lit by more than a bick, <laughs> we would see how gross it is. But <laughs> that, candle. that was, that must've been Canada's no lights day. One day a year, <laughs> everybody Perfect. turns yes. off their lights. No, they were just, they were. They were trying to they were trying to do like a like an old timey like oh let's do some uh, some on scene lighting with just some uh, some real dim candles yes. like they used to do in the silent era. Yes, it's like yeah. it's like Barry Lyndon. <laughs> it's all yeah. natural light. Yeah. They had to make yeah. special lenses for this movie. <laughs> anyway, Dad and Susie are creeping on Michael while he's doing because he's this, digging soil in the yard and doing some real gross shit. 
They're like, what do you think he's doing? And I mean, he is putting it all in a blender. So they freak out, and he's like, he's he's finished blending up his disgusting his disgusting peanut butter juice, uh, and they grab it from him, and they're like, no, you can't drink this. And Susie flushes it down the toilet. He's like, I wasn't gonna drink the bummer yet. You ruined my life again. Did you two ever get caught by your parents making weird concoctions? No, I was very good at making weird concoctions when they weren't looking. I was encouraged to make weird concoctions. Incredible. What were your what were your what were your weird concoctions? Wait, what were you encouraged to make? Uh, mm. Like a vinaigrette for a salad. Okay, <laughs> let me define my terms. <laughs> <laughs> Vinaigrette's weird when you think about it. Like, I you mean, know. I suppose. I guess you are you are literally like piercing all of the laws of physics to blend oil and vinegar together. Yeah, because it shouldn't work, but it does. Yeah. Uh, what about you? What were your weird concoctions? Oh, I just I just tried to make like some like spicy hot stuff to put in people's food to prank them or something. But it, honestly, in retrospect, what I what I did was I made like the base for like a really good spaghetti sauce because it was more like garlic powder and stuff. Spicy. I don't think I really understood what spicy was so much as like, or, or, or perhaps I interpreted it as like containing spices. It's a good start. I once tried to make peanut butter by just smashing peanuts uh, uh, <laughs> nice. with, with a, with a very old version of a slap chop. Like this is like late seventies, oh. early eighties. So it was just like a four way blade in a glass jar and a whammy thing mm -hmm. that you had that, that did not. Oh, because and if I had kept doing that, I would have gotten peanut butter. But I, what I did was I took whole peanuts and then a stick of butter and tried to smash it together because I was like, Recomb <laughs> recombinant parts. Yeah, that makes so much sense. It's peanut butter, right? Yeah. That's and then the, the other, my other concoction was I mixed toothpaste and water together in a pint glass and then stuck a toothbrush in it, put it in the freezer to make what I guess was a giant toothpaste popsicle. And I casually walked <laughs> to... Why did I do that? I mean, I ate toothpaste. I, I almost choked on toothpaste to death. Like, oh, did you, huh? Did you swallow the cap as well? <laughs> no, no, just big globs of toothpaste get in your airways. Ugh. I casually, the next day, I casually took it out of the freezer while the uh, my mom was on the phone with a friend. Uh, and I was just like, hey, how's everybody doing? Say hi to Aunt Leslie for me, blah, blah, blah. And I took a giant <laughs> glass with a toothbrush sticking out of it. And I was like, I'm just going to go have my toothpaste popsicle. And my mom just did a double take and was like, hey, Leslie, I'm going to get back to you. Yes. Yeah, hang. No, it's Josh. You guessed right. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> so you just... Was it supposed to be a delicious flavored popsicle? Like a minty It was like a, a minty delicious yeah. treat that I also thought maybe would clean my teeth so I wouldn't <laughs> have to brush them. <laughs> That's great. Uh, anyways, so they throw away the gross concoction and then basically the movie just repeats itself. Yeah. Like <laughs> the ghosts come back and the mean mean lady ghost, she's like, well, looks like you didn't get to make it. Some days I'm good and some days I'm bad. And today what? Guess what? It's fuck you day. And the other <laughs> ghost is like, hey, Mary, don't be a jerk. And then the laws of the afterworlds are completely smashed, like so much oil and vinegar mixed together for a delicious childhood vinaigrette. And he takes the piece of paper that the, uh, the recipe's written on and throws it at the kid. And now Michael makes it again. But one problem. Here's how I remembered this. 
All right. How I remember the story going is that he got the recipe, he forgot the recipe, and you tried to make it again from memory, but he forgot how much peanut butter to put in, and you've done fucked up and put in too much peanut butter, which I think we can all agree is actually a lot, makes a lot more sense than what fucking happens next. I mean, it's dramatically more interesting. The solution is too runny, and he doesn't want it to run down his face so that he doesn't get, like, face hair. He has to make it thicker. He's like, yeah, five spoons of peanut butter would be great, even though I was told one spoon <laughs> is all... I should do. That was like the first ghost stream. The second ghost stream was less explicit. He's not even like, maybe I'll try one and see how it goes. He's like, no, nah, I better put in like as much peanut butter as I possibly can just to be on the safe side. Yeah. And then he just paints sewage on his scalp. Yeah. It's like a rotten egg, dirt, this, that, and peanut butter. And it's just like, well, minus the dirt. That's just, that's just what comes out of your poop. Hole. Here was a question that I had too. Poop is what it's called. Here's here's another question that I had. How how the fuck does this kid have access to two rotten eggs? I would be hard pressed to find myself a rotten egg. I think for a very long time eggs weren't necessarily refrigerated. Like, and I know it is, I believe mm. it's a French thing to keep things like eggs and butter out. So, and uh coriander is nodding, uh, which works great on the radio. Look, Anna, mm. I agree. Thank it's you. one of the few flaws in an otherwise I mean, bounce a quarter off its structure movie. It's so tight otherwise. It's just oh. these little things that oh. just make you go, oh. One spring is missing from your trampoline and you bounce sideways. It's like a David Fincher movie in its exactitude. It's like clockwork. It's like the game. When they said that the recipe required five dead flies, I was like, how is a human being supposed to acquire five dead flies? And they answered that very quickly with just like, hey, there's a spider web in the garage that just is very effective. Has a lot of flies in it. You've got flies for days. Like, this can go wrong like three times. Yeah. This is the 80s. They, were, they probably had 12 fly strips covered in flies in their house. And I was just willing to let the rest slide because they had answered the one question I had. Sure. So uh, while his father paints more uh, a picture of a mannequin who's supposed to be his son, the classic mystery science theater line, just because you can cut between two things doesn't mean you should. The father's painting <laughs> and the son's painting goop on his head. And then he sleeps with that stuff on his head somehow. Standing up, I would assume. And then there's a little business between dad and Susan about uh, the painting that's the size of a drive-in theater screen. And he's, she's like, I don't like it. And he's like, I was going to give it to you for your birthday. And she's like, I like it. I don't like it. I love it. End of, end of plot. End of that yeah. plot. Set up with a lot of trouble at the beginning to be like, this is a very important yep. painting. It's for blah, blah, blah. Hey, it's for your birthday. Okay, great. Here's the rest of your movie. <laughs> Mike showers. He's still bald. Yeah. Uh, it didn't work. Concern it. So he goes downstairs and Susie's like, what's that on your head? And he's like, washed all the goop off my head. And it's like, no, it's sprouting. And then for the rest of the scene, every, every time it cuts away from Michael, it cuts back. He has somewhat more hair. I loved it. It's well done. It was so good. For a movie that whose motto is don't sweat the small stuff and it's all small stuff, they actually took time to put a little more hair and a little more hair and have different sized wigs. Bravo. Bravo, this movie. Connie shows up, drags him off to the bathroom to learn his secrets. And Mike's just like, I put this goo on my head. And Connie's like, what if I use this to grow pubes? <laughs> yeah, Solid. That's the other thing I remembered from this movie. <laughs> 
head is so small. And it's just like, we, we've Jews. already seen that the hair is growing a little too fast. And it's just like, at that moment, I was like, oh my god, the things that are going to happen in this kid's pants are awful. <laughs> Connie's not a thinker. Connie's more of a doer. This is exactly the kind of exchange that you could not put in a movie now for children. <laughs> and at the same time, I will say, again, it was one of the moments in the movie where I was like, this is very believable child behavior. That thing grows hair anywhere. I'm putting that on my area. Give a man some space. Right? When they finally get to school, Mike's hair is shoulder length. And the other kids are like, that's a wig again. And Connie's like, no. He's got dandruff. Look at it. The two gals, the two, uh, the two school gals who make fun of his hair, I would like to say for the record, have two of the worst haircuts I've ever seen in my life and absolutely should not be saying shit to anybody about their hair. Mm. One's got like a classic bowl cut and the other one's just got that like, it just looks like somebody took a crayon and went, hair! Hey, there's nothing wrong with a classic bowl cut. Some of us rocked a classic bowl cut for a lot of our childhood, okay? Well, yeah, of course. That The time that you were in Herman's Hermits, I know that that was... <laughs> I just was trying to get closer to Mrs. Brown's daughter. It didn't work, though. Have you ever seen that movie? I have not. Mrs. Brown, You've Got a Lovely Daughter? The Herman's Hermits, the one of two Herman's Hermits uh, Hard Day's Night ripoffs? No. Oh, I wish we had a show where we could make people God. watch things. Oh, no. Well, I'm going to make you guys watch Making Contact, so I guess I deserve everything that happens to me. Is that the sequel to Contact? <laughs> no, that's that, movie, that's that movie that I couldn't remember that I finally figured out and I was all excited about. Oh, with the kid that and the Roland, phone. Roland Emmerich thing. Yeah. Hey, that, con that conversation on direct message that we had that nobody else yeah. is privy to. Great. Audience, you're going to reap the benefits, though. Boy, his hair is growing fast. Michael's head is just, just, just growing like a weed. Yeah. Yes, math class, because art class is canceled. And all the girls are touching his hair. And you can see some of the curls falling into his face. And the teacher's yeah. like, it ain't moving. Leave it alone. Then it's time for dinner featuring too much hair. And for some reason, the dad's like just really into Connie now. He's like, Connie's is great. Everything's good. Connie, my friend, my pal, let's all have this lovely dinner. And Michael's like, but my hair keeps getting in my face and I can't eat my soup. It's literally moving to block this delicious soup that Susan made. Not just any soup, by the way. And boy, oh boy, do I have a question about this. Hey, hey, you two Canadian nationals. Uh, proud, proud children of the great, uh, great, great uh, country of O Canada. Great White North, yeah. Mm -hmm. Tell me about Toronto noodle soup. <laughs> because that's what Susan says. The dad's like, what's your dinner? And she goes, oh, you know, Toronto noodle soup. So please tell me, tell me about this delicious, what's in it? I assume it's rocks cut from like the Canadian shield. Like if something's a BC something, it has salmon skin in it. Uh, is uh, is overrated improv comedy in there? Like what? what? Wait, <laughs> take that, whoa, 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 take that whoa, Toronto. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's a Montreal problem. <laughs> you better not be talking about my beloved kids in the hall. Oh God. No, I thought we were talking about just for laughs. Oh, oh God, you're right. Yeah, no, but that's not, that's Montreal. Yes, or yeah. is that Toronto? Yes, but wait, is Toronto in Toronto? No, Mon Toronto's not in touch. Right, yeah. that's what it they do touch. <laughs> Hands across Canada. Uh, they don't like. Well, they don't really like touching that much. A lot of them. neither of them is a capital city. So it's true. 
but only Toronto has its own soup. And I want to get to the bottom. Listener, listener, tell us what Toronto noodle soup is, and we will send you something from Anna's shelf. What? No. Yeah. That's... Oh, okay. I mean, I do have a shelf of stuff I can give away. Great. Best recipe for Toronto noodle soup, get something <laughs> off Anna's shelf. I would send something off my shelf, but I don't want to pay the shipping. I don't want to pay the shipping. You have to pay less. You're in Canada. You are assuming that the person who knows this is in Canada and not an expatriate who's living in, I don't know, Australia, Mozambique. Oh. That far away? Like, depending on where you live in Canada, it's good to get as far away as possible. Michael is in math class and now his hair is just growing, growing, and growing. Uh, Connie is sitting behind him with a pair of scissors and it's just like, dun 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 snip, dun 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 snip. The teachers are threatening to quit because the sound of scissors is driving them to madness. And now those kids are banned from a school. Now what's amazing here is that all of the teachers are like, this is gross and you need to go home. And nobody's saying your hair is growing at an exponential rate. What we need to call is the government and doctor <laughs> who is not Dr. Epstein Feinstein. We need we need to call possibly the media. This is a real problem. But instead, they're just like, hey, do us a favor. You're bumming us out. Please get the fuck out of here. Oh, and by the way, Connie, uh, you might want to do something about that as well. And we pan down to Connie's uh, pants cuffs and fucking glorious hair is growing out <laughs> luxurious brown hair that i would personally kill for now friends i i don't want to get into too much detail but all i can say is if one's area hair grows wild it doesn't magically turn into hair extensions Silky, smooth, wavy <laughs> locks. Here's the thing. Clearly, this clearly the peanut butter solution just grows a specific kind of hair, no matter where you put it. It's not contextual. It's not like, oh, we've been put on this. The solution doesn't know it's on pubes. It's just like, okay, time to grow the hair. We grow. My favorite Albert and Costello routine, by the way, who's on pubes? <laughs> like, I just, I don't know how he didn't notice before. At nighttime, they show him in like his pajamas, like, ugh, yeah. it's uncomfortable, so itchy. And then another thing you couldn't show in a movie for children today. <laughs> I thought he was going to pull his pants down. I thought we were going to get full frontal. Why not? I, you know what? I'm on the set because I was like, well, here's what. I mean, I guess it looks like Cousin It down there. So it'll just look like he's wearing like a hair skirt. Uh, thankfully, we are yes it's it's the enchanted merkin it's it's merlin's merkin <laughs> it's just like a waterfall <laughs> so finally he yells at the hair to stop and listener the hair fucking stops oh how are we gonna have a third act he would fall over his goddamn self to go to his phone, call Michael's house at Canada o'clock in the morning and just be like, fucking, hey, dude, just yell at your hair to stop and we're going to be good. That doesn't happen. But we never think about Connie's pubes again, which I got to say, score, score one for peanut butter solution. I do keep wondering when when the scene is going to happen where Michael tells his hair to stop. And spoilers, that that is not a scene that exists in this film. Yeah, no, he's busy tying his his hair up for sleep. A crazy contraption. <laughs> looks like a garlic bulb. It looks like a garlic bulb, but it is it's a rope on a pulley 
tied to the top of his hair, which he raises like fucking old glory. <laughs> it looks bad. It looks it like look comfortable. It it looks like the kind of thing that you only want to use the phrase consenting adults for. You do not want a child in this situation. It sort of seems like it would be easier, easier to drape one's hair over the side of the bed. But what do I know about huge flowing locks? Nothing. Anyway, then he has a bad dream about dogs. Yeah, the dogs <laughs> grab his hair and drag him across the soccer pitch. It doesn't look fun at all. I was not expecting the dream to be this fucked up. <laughs> they go to grainy snuff film black and white. And I will say this, it is one of the few dream sequences, these are few and far between, that actually uses dream logic and isn't just like, I'm walking down the street and suddenly I'm wearing a different hat. He gets flashes to Senior's dog, Jim, who's like a little terrier. And then he's reliving we the horror of the soccer pitch and there's like German shepherds. Chasing him. And then dragging them, dragging him off to like, I guess, be torn apart and eaten. It's literally like that scene in Suspiria. Like, it's like, <laughs> it is so close to being like, to me saying, I'm about to see a child torn apart by dogs. And this this is, is like, this movie was made specifically to include this to like scare and freak out children. And it was never shown again. Like it's crazy. Just need some goblin on the soundtrack to really complete it. <laughs> I'm going to do that. Okay. What is this? I'm yes. going to make this happen. Um, amazing. So it's the next morning and uh, dad and Susan are dragging out fucking trash bags of hair again no media consulted they could be making a mint on human hair wigs absolutely turns out turns out the hair is valuable but yeah. it, but like their their payday runs off they're like dad's like they 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 don't want you back at school and mike's like i don't care okay i'm going anywhere with my extremely long hair dragging on the disgusting pavement and it's already full of leaves and there's a twister uh like literally like the <laughs> weather changes to movie stuff like everything's just blowing everywhere it's raining he's running and his hair gets caught in a bush and it's awful and finally the awful. kid has no recourse uh besides walking 50 feet back to his house to sit <laughs> under the house of a stranger and just wait it out. And he's just like, I guess I'm one of the people under the stairs now. <laughs> I just live in this, in this doorway and I think I'll take a little nappy nap because it's been a rough morning. He falls asleep under a stranger's porch <laughs> and then <laughs> he is noticed by Senior who comes up to him and I think it cuts before we see much. He's just like, hey, yeah. hey boy. Hey. Oh, in my what? version, he was talking in Italian. I thought he muttered some kind of incantation or something. But anyways. Uh, anyway, yeah. it's time for a montage. Dad's throwing a tantrum in his art studio because there are children missing. -na 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 -na. All the newspapers are saying there's like five children missing and then 10 children missing and all the children are missing. And for some reason, Dad's wrecking all of his paintbrushes. He like destroys a painting. He was another painting of his bald son. He was making this one literally look like sloth. And I was like, you can throw that out. That's fine. It's okay that you're doing that. Uh, hey, he, he, 
intercut with this, we see that Senor has Michael in like a sleeping beauty coffin, no glass top, but he's just like in this open coffin and he's tenderly feeding him spoonfuls of yogurt. And I was like, now we're breaking law. Like not, not only is Senor breaking laws, I think the makers of this movie are possibly breaking laws. He's just gently feeding him some Yoplait. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Uh, anyway, so at this point, the main character of this film becomes absent for most of it, which is a choice. And Connie and Susan are now our lead characters. Connie visits Sue's dad's in bad shape. He broke all the things. Connie's sister has now been kidnapped. He seems real broke up about it. Another 10 kids are missing. And the big fix, we got to buy dad some more brushes. If we buy dad more brushes, he'll snap out of it. And then we'll figure out how to find 20 missing children. So they go to the art store scene and this becomes a movie about an art store. Because this scene happens for another 45 years, and yet another faceless, nameless Canadian character actor, this time not doing a broad ethnic accent, but just like, just shitty art store guy. And then Connie or Susie notices these other weird brushes that are colorful and floppy. That looks like they would be utterly useless for painting with. And then Connie's like, oh... This hair feels familiar. I've been cutting this hair for weeks. Hey, you, store clerk, tell me about these things. And the guy's like, I don't know. Uh -uh. And they're like, well, who makes them? The company doesn't have a name. Well, who drops them off? Well, I don't know the guy's name. He comes by in a red truck like every Friday. Are you going to buy this or not? I'm concerned about this, the senor's business model. <laughs> no name. No, no, How they, did he make well, the first sale? Did he come by and he's like, listen, trust me on these brushes, okay? I'll give you 10 for free. I'll come back next Friday. He opens his coat. <laughs> it's just like step A is make brushes out of hair and step C is profit. <laughs> so the guy, the guy is like, I don't know nothing else. Are you going to buy this $20 brush or not? And then Susan counts every coin in Canada <laughs> to get to $20. Uh, and then the guy is like, and then he turns into an informant from a 1940s war. He's like, Ah, well, now that you mention it, uh, now that now that you've crossed my palm with silver, he did say to call him Senor. <gasps> At this point, they should run to the police and go, it's Senor, Senor has all the kids. Senor does. Probably. Let's go get them. Let's all go get them together. Uh, instead, they uh, they decide to Scooby-Doo this shit and they hatch a plan. <laughs> sure do. And it's stakeout time. The next day, they're loitering by the fence with the bike and a, a, what looks like a siphon kit and a bag of sugar. So you're like, oh, they're going to sugar this guy's gas tank. Right? That didn't even occur to me. But that is not their plan. No. So Senor pulls up, he gets out with his bucket of hairbrushes and Connie uh, secretes himself into the back of the, uh, of the secrets. secrets. Yeah. 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 Secretes means two things. It's no, the magic it's of the secrets. English. Secrets himself. Like a secret. Was it? It's, yeah. Is it great? Sure. Uh, <laughs> I tried to read the first time. Is it secret? No, secret. Well, secrets is being oozy and gooey. Okay, you're yep. probably right. Is it secrets? Is that how that's yeah, pronounced? Yeah, secrets because it's like a secret. No, I get it. I understand okay. what words are. I just don't, I don't actually know. I don't talk out loud anymore. Um, anyways, <laughs> nobody says it out loud. That's the problem. It's one of those inside into your head words. And we cut all of that. One, <laughs> two, Corey. I'm not in charge of what we cut. End the cut here. So. 
as Senor goes into the art store with his hairbrushes, uh, Connie hides in the back of the truck. With his magic bag of sugar that never runs out of sugar. And he's going to pour it out of the siphon and uh, Connie's going to follow it on her bicycle. Uh, Senor comes out of the art store, attempts to kidnap Connie in the most <laughs> like... Oh, you're yeah. you're right. Uh, okay. Attempts to kidnap Susie uh, in the most like stranger danger health class way possible. Hey, kid, you've got hair. Would you like to get in my van? I've got candy or whatever. And she's like, "Hey, go fuck yours. And again, she doesn't go, "Officer, officer, please, please." I'm literally being kidnapped. I'm seventy years old. I shouldn't have to put up with this. Senior drives away. Susie gets on her bike and drives right into traffic. Uh, tries to race all <laughs> of the, the fully could, metal vehicles that. that are surrounding her in the lanes. She's driving um, down the line in the middle of a two-lane. Yeah, that's how we road. used to ride our bikes. Just right down the middle of the road. Uh, there exactly. were no laws. This is what there I was, was no promised, and this it. is not what my youth was like. They did not. Here's the interesting thing: they didn't invent laws in North America <laughs> until 1989. It's true. There were no, before that, you could just walk down the street and kill somebody and everybody would be like, well, just clean it up. In Canada, they'd say, please clean it up. I forgot one very important thing about Senor in this scene. He's wearing a hair jacket. Oh, that's Thank right. You. Okay. Thank you, Coriander. <laughs> it's Thank okay. you. Okay. It is. Uh, I would like to point, stapled together. I would like to point out His that drip. clothing made of hair is notoriously uncomfortable. There's a bare naked ladies song about this. This jacket is so fly. Like it literally, it looks like he's about to explain to everybody why why pimping is surprisingly difficult. <laughs> <It's true. laughs> maybe maybe it's because he only hires grade school children. <laughs> Why should his workforce uh, be any different than H&M's, honestly? I mean, he's uh, thinking ahead. That's <laughs> just, just good capitalism. Anyways, so his coat, is there, Corey, is there anything else you want to say about his incredible coat? Uh, nothing about the incredible jacket. The, the it's beautiful, many really? locked jacket. It's curly. the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. I want to it touch is. it. It is astonishing. It's an especially amazing thing. It's like a boy with stupendously long hair has been kidnapped. Meanwhile, the most evil guy in town is walking around with that boy hair coat. <laughs> the boy hair coat selling boy hair brushes. But there couldn't be a connection, could there? No. Weird. No. How would we know? There's no laws. There aren't even police. We couldn't. It's, 19, it's, it's not 1989 yet. Also, now correct me if I'm wrong, but the, both the brushes and the coat are brown. And Michael's hair is blonde. Eh. Oh, what happened is they gave the fuck up. <laughs> oh. So, as long as there's an explanation. Anna, um, why is Connie in the back of the truck? Connie's in the back of the truck to pour sugar out a tube to make a line so that Susie can follow it and see where they're going because that's the best way to do that. Sugar, the densest, the densest substance it's, on earth. It's about a one-pound bag of sugar, and. They go a real long way, and it's just they like that, to that's a lot of sugar. That's a lot. Of, <laughs> that's a lot of sugar on the ground. And Susie's like, "This is working. This is great." She turns the corner, and womp womp womp. There's a street cleaner that's cleaned away all her sugar. And she's like, "Now what will I do?" And I'm like, "Surely you could follow the path of dampness nope. that the street cleaner nope. has left and see where the sugar picks back up." 
end of movie. Like yeah. all of the threads are closed at this point. <laughs> Two more amazing things happen in this here. Well, one just what the fuck thing, and then one just like oh god, right? Wow, I'm sorry, really. I buried so, the lead. So as as Susie is following uh, the sugar truck, Connie's magic sugar truck, every <laughs> bum and wino in province is waving to her and cheering her on as if they know what she's doing. That's yes. very that's very weird, and it made me wonder. Like, oh, did the wino ghost visit all of the winos? They're like, hey, keep an eye out for this kid, uh, Susie, because she's going to be following a sugar trail. So just cheer, don't help her or nothing. Just cheer her up. <laughs> um, but as this is all happening, inspirational music is playing, <laughs> and the inspirational music that is playing is Celine Dion's first English language song. And it's about imagination. If I and a magic correctly. man. It's called Follow right. the Magic Man. Bad advice. Because <laughs> he's got a sugar truck. Oh, she was, she, she was writing about her husband. It's oh. God. <laughs> it's diegetic. Oh. <laughs> oh, Senor escapes with his, his red van of inconspicuousness. <laughs> and lo and behold, notices the sugar trail. And the pipe being carefully withdrawn from the back door. <laughs> and Connie, who is not at all hidden in the back in it's any bad. way, shape, or form. Uh, it was a great plan except for everything. So Zidior walks him through an all-white cobwebby 1980s heavy metal video set uh, that would have like a big person dressed as a spider on it or something. And then they are in a sweatshop where all of the stolen children wear pink geese yeah. uh, and assemble uh, human hair paintbrushes that comes down from the coffin that Michael is in and his hair grows and they feed him special yogurt and sit down, Connie, because now you got to put a thing on a brush and you got to make 500 a day or you don't eat. <laughs> and how did Senor acquire all of these children, you ask? Well, just, just the children are like, oh, he lied to us and he used hypnosis and he used ice cream that makes you fall asleep. Now, there's a lot of kids here and there's only one Senor. And it's it seems like they could... If they were off a mind to bum rush his shit, potentially overpower him with numbers. And oh boy. Just, and just destroy him. I thought about this a lot for the majority of the third act, which is just like, he's not armed. The nope. dog, the dog is not even like it's not an angry or mean dog. So the dog's not gonna fuck you up. Doesn't seem particularly protective of Senor. Jump him. But instead, Connie's just like, nope. well, I guess I make hairbrushes now. The other kids take him on a tour of the studio, like, and this is what the paintbrushes do. It's magic. These paintings come to life. You can walk into the painting, but they're all imaginary places, so there's no real escape. I have a question. Hello, yes, Anna? Thank you. Okay. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Um, <clears throat> so, Senor can make beautiful magic paintings. Why isn't he selling those instead of brushes? He is. He is selling them. <laughs> he is selling them. See? He gives them to his brother. Then everybody can make them and he's ruining his own gig. The paintings are of imaginary locations. Like, he is such a hypocrite. Yes. Yes, oh, indeed. What a, what a dick! He's using his imagination. 
You know, I was gonna, I was gonna give him a mulligan on feeding children poisoned ice cream and kidnapping them to make hairbrushes, but, but now his hypocrisy. How dare you? Good day, senor. <laughs> I would like to add that the paintings are beautifully animated. Like they look they for look a nice. movie that looks like it was made for pocket change. These pictures look really great. They also kind of look like the kind of paintings that you would buy on a cruise. Yeah. Very much. <laughs> With a lot of sparkle. I would also say that, like, there's what, like, maybe 15 to 20 minutes left in this movie at the time that they introduced the concept of magic paintings that you can walk into, which would be the starting concept for a lot of movies. I got to say, I didn't mind that. I like a movie that has a lot. I like a movie that now I would prefer the movie to also be like real good. <laughs> Coherent. <laughs> can't, listen, not every movie can be the Holy Mountain. It's true. It's like the Buckaroo Banzai watermelon, you know, like you never know why it's there and they just pass it. And it's just like in some other movie, they would have made that called that back or something. And they do call back the magic paintings. But yeah, there's just like, oh, yeah, well, the thing is with the hair and the magic and he makes magic paintings. All right. Now let's let's figure out how we're going to get ourselves free. And then they don't really think about it again. And I was like, that's a weird thing to toss off, but I'm not mad. I think at this point it jumps a week forward. Yeah. And for some reason, Dad and Susie are talking to the doctor. That is the doctor, right? Anna did a scene breakdown uh, because she is kind of spirit and generous of heart. Uh, and and, uh, and, <laughs> and and we made her, quite frankly. Uh, mm -hmm. But uh, uh, so as I was combining it with my notes, uh, because in my notes, it was just like, they're having uh, Susan and uh, the dad are having dinner with some guy who also appears to be Senor and the dad's agent Stephen Fry Rabbit's brother. They're all brothers. Oh, and and the the wino is also one of their brothers. Oh, they're all brothers. I never got oh. that. The wino talks about, about how, how he grew up with a lot of brothers and then they the sort of like mention it at some point. But they're like, those four characters are all related because I guess. So here's another scene that I feel like, unless it's just three minutes of Connie eating grapes, here's another <laughs> scene that I feel like there was a setup that they decided to get rid of because basically they're just, they just cut to a scene. They're having dinner with the doctor. They have this realization about like, Oh, this guy and this guy and everybody's all brothers. And then the dad and Susie are like, well, obviously senior has all of the children because of the paintings and something. The doctor's like, my brother, Sergio, he doesn't use a name anymore. People just call him Senor. And then they were like, oh, Senor. Like, they already know Senor has yeah. Connie, at least. Oh, yeah, because Connie never came back. So they've just been sitting on this information for a week. No, there was there, there was a newspaper we didn't see about how there's 21 kids missing. So many Other, kids missing. Otherwise a perfect movie. So they <laughs> go and visit the agent and they're just, and they and they rough him up real good and yep. they slap him and my sister, my daughter him and then he's just like <laughs> it's, it's like the same thing that happened at the art store. They're like the guy drops the paintings off, these magic magic special paintings, they get dropped off 4 days from now instead of tomorrow. Right. Oh, right. And then it doesn't go anywhere with that line of thought nope instead we're, we're shown the the poor living conditions of these children each with their own individual hammock yeah i don't know that, that looks kind of nice actually i would if there was like <laughs> these real lost if I, boys 
If I don't know if there was like a service where I could just go someplace and pay like five, ten bucks and just hang out in a hammock for an hour and just sort of stare, <laughs> like an American that. capsule hotel. Yeah, a, a, a hammocktorium, a hammery. Yeah. Oh, like in the hammock district. Yes, that's what they have at the hammock district. They have hammocks. Um, Connie wants to go check in with Michael, and so. Some kid is like, all right, you got to be careful, though, because there are invisible strings everywhere. So if you're going to go, take this invisible string detector, which is, and again, I'm a fan of I'm a fan of ingenious, low budget filmmaking. And I'm a fan of not thinking too hard and not spending too much money. And the invisible string detector does two things. Number one, uh, by saying invisible strings. You don't have to make a prop person sit around for hours and hours and tie pieces of string. And the invisible spring de string detector is literally just a stick with a piece of cloth on it. Begging the question, and I don't know if you two thought this, why didn't this kid, after inventing the invisible string detector, use it to take everybody to freedom? Or at least get away or do something or anything. These children are gutless. Maybe he just invented it. <laughs> just no, I just had the idea. <laughs> Did you say he was gutless, Corey? I said he was gutless. Yeah, you might and be right. I, I was, I was pretty impressed with the the functionality, I guess, of this invisible string detector because it works pretty good. It does. It's a good effect. It's smart. It's practical. Mm -hmm. I like. And that. there are trip wires, and we learned that the trip wires are all attached to a ring that Senor is wearing while he sleeps, like a spider. Do you think he just leaves them attached and takes off the ring during the day, or does he tie them onto the ring every night? I think he ties them onto the ring every night because it goes through the workshop, yeah. right? A foolproof system. <laughs> Unless you have a stick and a cloth. Connie manages to stealthily make his way through the tripwires and finds Michael. And Michael's real out of it. Like, Michael's definitely drugged or something. Drunk on yogurt. <laughs> He's not okay. And Michael's like, hey, at least he's making real good paintings. This, this shit's magic. Do you see that, Connie? Are you hungry? It's, worth, hungry. it's just worth it. I'll just get to sit here and like lie. I, just, I, I took the black pill. And I'm just going to lie here and let my hair grow and be made into paintings. And I've been on Reddit for too long. Kill me. Please kill me. <laughs> at least this way my life is meaning. <laughs> I mean, at this point, Connie does not. You know, if you wanted to, you could just tell your hair to stop. <laughs> that would solve this whole problem yeah remember when that worked never again senor catches them and he's like get out of here jerk and he's like connie you're in some real trouble and he hangs him from a net in the ceiling and yeah. spins him around and goes spins a spins a spins -a. i wouldn't enjoy that and connie's like please please stop father <laughs> and then and and everybody's like wait what <laughs> Look anything like, like my father died in a plane crash and you're such a wonderful artist and a wonderful teacher and you've got great hair and good ideas and a lot of money and some some successes on the horizon for you let me out so that i can be your son <laughs> and it works it works so well senor has never had children all he has is a dog <laughs> No one has ever shown Senor love in his entire life until Connie pretended to. <laughs> and he's like, what is this new emotion? So now it's uh, so now it's Mushnik and son. And now he's just like, my boy, come down, my boy. We are paisanos. Hey, and they drink a they, 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 plumbing they, together. They, they, <laughs> yeah. 
Here's the largest canvas I have available. Tell me what to paint with my magic paint that I'm going to show you how the magic paint works. Gathers all the children to like put on a show for them. It's like, I'm going to do this. And again, so he dips the hairbrush. Turn my into back the on thing. all of you. Please don't jump. I'm turn me. my back. And then he paints the canvas. And again, it's fucking beautiful animation. It's done really it's a simple effect it's a green screen they're just keying it all in later but for 1985 it looks really really nice and it's kind of like what and that must have been where the government tax shelter money went right like that's what they covered and then everything else is like and we got five bucks for the rest of the movie that said i mean it does call into question Signor's actual artistic ability because all he does is swipe the brush across the canvas like three or four times and there's a painting there pardon you he he is stunting on that canvas like he ain't even looking for some of the paint dobs he's doing he's just like oh not even looking not even looking boop Oh, and the children are applauding. It just really seems like anybody could grab one of those paintbrushes and smear it on a canvas to get a beautiful painting. That's all I'm saying. It's it's the equivalent of those invisible ink books where you just put the 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 the, the in, invisible ink pen and it reveals things to you. With and then you're like, I drew this picture of a cat. It's exactly like that. Those were great until you accidentally got the tip of the invisible ink pen dirty, and then nothing ever worked again. What do you want me to draw? And he's like, draw the big spooky burned down wino hotel. Oh, what a beautiful idea. What, how enchanting for these children. What Connie says is draw Michael's fright. And he's like, okay. And he draws oh. the spooky wino hotel. And Connie's like, right. that's not Michael's fright. That's the spooky wino hotel. You have to go inside and just fright. And you're just like, well, the brushes don't know what scared Michael. And then, <laughs> yeah, he does go inside. And they've got him trapped in this painting that they could then like, I don't know flop on its face so that he couldn't get out or any number of good ideas to trap Signor in a painting or they could go into the painting themselves which is of a real place and they could escape which I right. thought might be the plan right the whole thing was like <laughs> oh well he paints these canvases but they're of imaginary places so you can't find anybody or help anybody or get any help but he paints <laughs> this place which is a real place and then you run into it and you go police 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 <laughs> They make such a big deal out of it. And yeah. I mean, it's the only time in this movie where they make a big deal out of something and it doesn't pay off. So I guess I'll forgive them, but still. Connie goads Signor into going and looking at the painting to see what the thing is. So Signor has to climb the garbage chute. Susie finally finally finds the the, the sugar trail. One week later. Wow. <laughs> like forever. Like, I guess it didn't rain or anything. guess there weren't any rats. I don't know. Why? And if they didn't say that, we wouldn't ever have to talk about it. Do you know what I mean? Like if she was like just biking around, she was like, there it is. Yeah. I can't believe it's still here a day later. Like she doesn't even have to talk about a passage of time. Nope. So she goes home to tell dad. Uh, Connie uh, saves. Uh, oh. And so, uh, so, he, so he gets the fright. She, Senor gets the mm -hmm. fright and falls out of the painting in a heap unconscious and yeah the kids go yay better not tie him up or anything before he wakes up we should just leave him unfettered because it's fine connie frees michael and now michael's like hang on guys i won't go in the painting and i need to see what the fright is because i still can't remember and everybody's also, like michael's hair is stopped growing yes which is yeah. because yes he's like my hair stopped growing connie's like of course it has the frights passed on <laughs> to another person like we said at physics. some point 
just now. Or you could have just told it to stop. Oh, that's what I was supposed to tell you, Michael. My bad. You could have just told it to stop. At some point, Michael's going to be like, Connie, how did you stop your hair from growing? You're like, oh, I told it to stop. And Michael's going to be like, you know what? You could have. You could have told me that, too. And he's like, my bad. Can I have some more grapes? You grape delicious grapes. Motherfucker. Michael goes in because he still doesn't remember what scared him so bad. He goes in and he looks, and it's just the wino ghosts. And they're like, yep. hey, great job, kid. And he's like, and Michael's like, yeah, hey, the movie's almost over. And they're like, we're very excited about that. And so am I. <laughs> Senor wakes up. Children scatter everywhere, even though he's he is bald. an unarmed man. Uh, oh, yes, he is now bald, and he's an unarmed man who weighs six pounds. Um, and all of it is a racist Italian accent. So uh, naturally, the kids just run around waving and screaming there and waving their arms in there. He throws a big net over some of them, uh, and it's basically like a monkey's song sequence. Like, there might as well be last year in Clarksville playing and like running and running, running. It's pretty Scooby Doo as well. Connie's sister grabs a tripwire and sets it up, and it works. And Signor drops the keys. But apparently Signor has locked everything from the inside. They almost escape, but they get to the garage door to the outside world. That's locked, and there's no key for that. Signor comes in, and he's like, aha, now I have you. You, you. Why would you run? You are my children. Everybody's my children. Also, hey, check this out. Um, and he's crazy. At that exact moment, the door flies open. The dad is first through the door because I guess Canadian cops are like, hey, we're, you want to be the first guy in? Oh, well, we wouldn't want to you wouldn't want to oh, rob please, you of the small child. Yeah. You can be second. Yep, yep, yep that's you. how the rules work. The father walks in, like, stop right there, and has kung fu hands. Yep. Yes. <laughs> and then there's some cops with actual, like, guns. Thus obviating the entirety of the last 20 minutes or so. Connie's little sister's like, hey, I know where the rest of the children are. They're in this workshop that's producing, like, hair shirts and paintbrushes. <laughs> oh, we should go look at that, eh? All right. <laughs> hey, thanks, eh? And then it's just like a, an overhead shot of the car driving home, and Michael brings it home by saying, uh, and I wrote this down, oh, I guess the biggest part of fright is your imagination. <laughs> and it's said in a, I guess we all learned something yeah. kind of way, except like, that's not necessarily the lesson of the movie. And the movie has no lesson. And I'm going to, I'm going to say as someone who for a living has to write children's movies, not has to, it's fine, <laughs> uh, with that where kids learn things, it was kind of nice to watch a movie where it's like, just anarchy. This movie has no point. This has no lesson. Nobody's better. As a result of this, nobody's learned anything. I kind of love it. And then the mom gets out of a car and everybody's together and Celine Dion sings Never Ending Story over the credits. And Connie is welcomed into the family like he always wanted. <laughs> the end. Uh, Anna, yeah. thank you You're welcome. for bringing this into my life. I'm going to get the Severn disc. I... I really, <laughs> I really enjoyed it. I wanted, if there's a commentary. Tell me about the three minutes. I I, I I really like this. I mean, it's crazy. The script is broken. It's cut a little wonky. And the performances are a tad off, but you get kind of Stockholm syndrome with it after a while. And it's like, nobody's aggressively terrible. Everyone's kind of on the same page. The movie does have a certain kind of look to it that I don't mind. For something that was set up as like, uh, Josh, I'm sticking it to you with this one. I was like... <laughs> This is fine, actually. I don't know how to stick it to you. I'm going to find something. <laughs> Eyebrow. 
This was a fine spooky season watch. Heavily recommend it to Hoot. Maybe don't show it to your kids. I don't know. I don't know if children should see this children's movie. (laughs) The correct way to watch this movie, in my opinion, is to be in grade five and it's the last day of school and it's the afternoon and you're at your desk and you're watching it on a TV that's a little too far away for you to see properly. And you really wish it was like 3.30, but it's not yet. And you just have to sit there and let this movie happen. Because the teacher is not going to teach another goddamn oh, thing to you it's, assholes. It's the it's the last day of school. Like nothing's going to happen. I don't know why it's, I don't even know why we have to do this day. It's so pointless, except we had to clean out our lockers. Well, if both of you want to see more, last year in 2020, a documentary was released called <gasps> Michael's Fright, The Strange True Story of the Peanut Butter Solution. What? Even my research didn't turn this up. Going to have to do a follow-up episode, it sounds like. Having done this, here here was my hot take when I finished watching it, is that, like, it's not, obviously, it's not a bad movie. It's an interesting movie and everything. But let me just, let me just suggest this. If Tim Burton had made this movie, it would be a classic, and you would be able to buy Peanut Butter Solution shit at Hop Topic right now. I don't think this movie shouldn't not be remade. I, I think it's... <laughs> I think it's a funny <laughs> idea. I, 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 I don't know. It's there's enough interesting. I mean, there's a germ of a good idea in there. I, I it's inter- It's got everything like a kid. It's got yeah. ghosties. It's got a evil guy teacher. It's got shenanigans. It's got winos. It's got a dog mauling. One of the weirdest things about it for me is that it's really like it's aggressively weird. I think we can agree. It's an aggressively weird film, but it does not look it looks like an episode of the littlest hobo 100 percent, which is honestly some like it's like oh here's this really weird cinema verite movie it's so it's so odd everything i expected everything i thought was going to happen did not happen <laughs> right if you are going to watch this and i think you should i'm going to give you a recommendation for something to watch beforehand which also falls under the category of stuff that teachers showed when they didn't feel like teaching. Uh, It's a short 1969 movie. It's called People Soup. Alan Arkin wrote and directed it, the actor, Hmm. and it stars his two little kids, Adam Arkin, who's an actor now. Um, And it's a very similar two kids and actually uh, and there's dna shared with judy bloom's freckle juice as well but uh-huh. it's two kids making some kind of concoction and peanut butter i think actually when you first said peanut butter solution i thought of the alan arkin short people soup because it's two kids like messing around the kitchen and trying to make a magical something by combining disgusting ingredients uh and i haven't watched it in a minute but uh, i remember it being very enjoyable so i would say check that out as well but i feel like there's a subset of children's like stories and entertainment where like a bad thing happens or kids like they're kind of like vague witchcrafty movies where it's like we got to make this thing and if we don't do it right it's going to go very bad. The other one that comes to mind immediately is the um, Disney. Um, it's not really a movie. It's like 45 minutes, but the Disney um, thing fuzz bucket where it starts with the kid making this weird concoction for his imaginary friend. So it will turn him like real. And I think there's like, I don't know. He throws like onions and a bunch of stuff and makes this green goop that he feeds to his imaginary friend who then turns out not to be imaginary. He just needed to drink some goop. Kids love gross stuff is the thing. We did. We did. Gross stuff is great when you're a kid. 
boogers, slime. Goo. Yeah. Yeah. Gak. Gak. <laughs> Masters of the Universe's uh He-Man slime chamber. I mean, look, you're your proud country, and again, just Ghostbusters. Uh, but even before Ghostbusters, you can't do that on television. Like oh sure. Nickelodeon basically took slime <laughs> and turned it into the cornerstone of their entire like vibe. It's true. Coriander, what did you think of this movie? I liked it. I want some bird art. Other than that, it was a weird time and children should not watch it. (laughs) It's a good good call. Yeah, I'm not. I mean, I'm not saving this to show to my niece and nephew. That's for sure. They don't need that in their life. I might. I might show show my niece and nephew stuff. (laughs) It's not authorized. And it's also like it's like 1985 and that's boring. Here's the thing is that, okay, as a kid, like as an adult watching this, I can be like the pacing on this is really weird, but I can kind of put up with it because I've watched like Jeanne Dillman. uh, And so I have a whole different idea of what slow is. But as a kid, I felt I remember being so frustrated by this movie because it had all these ostensibly interesting things, but it felt like it was so tedious to try to watch it, which is I think I felt about a lot of kids movies when I was younger. Hmm. Yeah. And I feel like t- kids' movies now are a lot more hyperactive <laughs> in terms of trying to entertain children and oh, yeah. assume they have no, you know, ability to pay attention for more than two minutes. Yeah, it's a lot of flashing lights and bright colors and songs and things. Yeah. yeah. Right. I blame somebody. I don't know. It's probably, uh, I blame, well, let's blame DreamWorks. I blame DreamWorks. It's probably, it's probably me. I don't think it's you. This was great. Yeah. Nice. Yay. And that's our show. Let's all say it. And that's that's our show. show. Welcome to the post show. And thank you for sticking around. We don't have a firm schedule yet. I'm looking at monthly releases for episodes. And the next episode will feature censor from 2021.